Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode 31, The Fall of Israel. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Thank you for listening to Bible Mysteries Podcast again. This is Scott Mitchell, and I am here with... Zena. And are you ready to take the red pill today? As always. As always. Good. Well, we were talking about last week, God hiding his face from Israel. Yes, because they refuse to just say that they are sorry and, you know, take him back into their hearts and back into their spirits because they're being little turds. <laughs> That's right. They wouldn't, they wouldn't accept God's offer. And when they ultimately rejected Christ, the rock. Yes, that's when he said he would hide his face from them. And so we mentioned that Israel at that time ultimately was destroyed by the Roman army. Yes. But when they rejected Jesus Christ and they crucified him, he did say on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I think the leadership kind of knew, but the, the nation didn't. Mm -hmm. you know? So after he rose from the dead, that was the big mystery. You know, They didn't know that was going to happen. You know, Satan didn't know. So when he rose from the dead, the 12 were then sent forth to proclaim the one you crucified, he's the Messiah. He's the Christ. Mm -hmm. And so he preached a message in the book of Acts, which is basically called the Acts of the Apostles. From the point that Jesus was raised from the dead till the end of that era, that's what was recorded, the things that they did and said and preached, both the 12 and including the Apostle Paul. But in Acts chapter 2, Peter preached a message to Israel about the one you crucified is the rock. He's the Christ. Mm -hmm. And he said, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly in Acts 2.36 that God hath made that same Jesus whom you've crucified, both Lord and Christ. So this time when he's preaching, it's after the fact, and something that he said throughout that entire message, we didn't read it all, but this is just the last statement, it made them go, oh no, we rejected the Christ. Mm -hmm. We killed the Christ. They didn't realize it at the time. Now they are being made aware of what just happened, what mm -hmm. they did. So it says in the next verse, and when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What are we supposed to do now? You know. And he said, uh, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you, Israel, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, Jews scattered all over the world, mm -hmm. even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, and here's the word, save yourselves from this untoward generation. That same stubborn generation. Why do they need to save themselves from it? Because God was about to destroy them. Mm -hmm. Once he hides his face from them, they're no longer a protective hedge around them. And they're sitting duck for Satan, and it was the Roman Empire that destroyed them, ultimately. So you'll remember, and we've talked about this in the earlier episodes, in the book of Hosea, chapter 5, and this is the one we keep referring back to, in verse 15, God said, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. Yes. Right? So he's hiding his face from them until they seek it. Right now, Israel still has got the blinders on. They're not seeking him, right? Mm -hmm. In their affliction, they will seek me early. And you also remember we talked about the 2,000 years. Yes. And we said in the next chapter 6, verse 1, Israel responds to that, Come and let us return to the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. You know, God said, I heal, I make alive, I kill. So they're acknowledging, yeah, he's the one that can do all this. He's, he's punished us, but if we return to him, it says, after two days, he will revive us. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. So there's going to come a point when they acknowledge their offense that they're going to return to the Lord and he's going to shine his face back on them. But currently at the moment, they have not acknowledged their offense. I don't see that anywhere. The nation has not. You know, okay. the, the nation, the modern nation Israel today may not even be a, a compared to it as far as I know. They could be people that may not even really be Jewish people. Mm-hmm. They call themselves Jews, and I'm not arguing whether they are or not. I'm not trying to dispute whether they are or not. But in reality, most of the people that inhabit the land of Israel now that call themselves Jews have more of a European descendant. They're okay. Ashkenaz, and they're they're a mixture of sort of like a Germanic type, whatever. Mm-hmm. A real Semitic person is more like a, a a person who might be called a Muslim. Okay, you know, maybe not just anybody that practices Islam, but Arab people. There's more Semitic blood in them mm-hmm. than in an Ashkenazi Jewish person today. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know whether or not they're actual gods of Israeli genetic people that will one day be the people of God, you know. But um, when I mentioned last week, there's a, a parable about a hidden treasure. That might have something to do with it. We'll talk about that in another episode. Okay. Because there's a secret to that parable that I think might be interesting to consider. <laughs> you don't want to talk about it today? <laughs> no, nah, not yet, because I want to lay this foundation first, I think. I know, it's, it's, it's going to be fun to discuss. So Psalm 30 in verse 4 says, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness, for his anger endureth but for a moment. Well, 2,000 years is a moment to the Lord. I, I know, that's a very long time. It's a long time to us, but to it's just for a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. That's a beautiful poetic line, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by thy favor, thou hast made my mountain to stand strong. Thou didst hide thy face, and I was troubled. I cried to thee, O Lord, and unto the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Shall the dust, and the pit is hell, basically. Shall the dust praise thee? Shall it declare thy truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me, Lord. Be thou my helper. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Mourning is like sadness. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. Sackcloth is like the the clothing of mourning. To the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. So it's David writing here, but he's writing in the person of as though it was Israel turning back to God and saying, you hid your face from me and I was troubled, but when I cried to you, Lord, you returned, you delivered. So that's what's coming. And so today we're going to talk about the fall of Israel as it relates to what took place after God hid his face from them. Mm-hmm. Once they rejected the rock and he said, I've had enough, and he hides his face from them, they go down and they go down quick, right? Now, before we get to that, we'll go to Ezekiel 39, chapter 39, verse 25, where we read, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob and will have mercy upon the whole house of Israel and will be jealous for my holy name. After that they have borne their shame and all their trespasses, whereby they have trespassed against me, when they dwelt safely in their land and none made them afraid. So he's saying, I'm going to basically punish them until the punishment has been met. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to bear their shame and their sin. Verse 27, when I brought them again from the people and gathered them out of their enemies' lands and am sanctified in them in the sight of many nations, then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen. But I've gathered them under their own land and have left none of them any more there. That's one of the reasons why I tend to say I still stand with reserved judgment about the modern nation Israel. Is that God's restoration process? Because he says, I'm not going to leave any more of them scattered. Well, there's Jews living everywhere. Mm -hmm. They're all over the world. People that would call themselves Jews today and that practice Judaism live in every nation. Mm -hmm. They're not all in the land. So how can that be the restoration if God said, I will not leave anyone behind? That's true. It would seem to me that this isn't really the fulfillment of that yet. Mm -hmm. So whatever's going on now, I'm not fully understanding. You know, I don't know exactly what it is. But he does say, to to finish the thought in that last verse, neither will I hide my face anymore from them. And right now, he still is. That's true. 
For I've poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, saith the Lord God. So these things haven't taken place yet. A lot of Christianity says, oh, God restored them in 1948, and that was, that was the beginning of all this. I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't look like that to me. It doesn't seem to match. Mm-hmm. And if we look at what he's going to do when he does that, once he does restore them and they are his people again and he's no longer hiding his face from them, there's just a couple of verses we could look at that talk about what their nation and what, is going, what their place in the world is going to be like. And it doesn't measure up at all with what's going on today. Okay. So if we look at Isaiah 60, just for a couple of examples, there's so many, but we're only going to look at two. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee, and thee in the context is the nation restored. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. That's tribulation. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be upon thee, and the Gentiles, all the other nations, Mm -hmm. shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. And lift up thine eyes round about, and see, all they gather themselves together. They come to thee, thy son shall come from far, and thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. Then thou shalt see and flow together, and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. Gentiles aren't beating a path to Israel to come to God right now. Mm -hmm. They're surrounded by enemies still. You know, most of the Arab world considers Israel an enemy, modern Israel. Okay. So this has not been fulfilled yet. So if this is the beginning of God's promise, he's doing a dismal job of it. <laughs> if this is what it's supposed to be, Gentiles coming to their light, there's no light yet. Yeah. You know? And then another one is down in verse 14 of the same chapter. The sons also of them that afflicted thee, nations that persecuted, shall come bending unto thee. And all they that despise thee shall bow themselves down at the soles of thy feet. And they shall call thee the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. And he's talking about Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. That's not happening today. You know, are Gentile nations bending down and bowing down before Jews and saying, please, we're sorry we persecuted you. You know, that's Mm -hmm. not happening. Whereas thou hast been forsaken and hated so that no man went through thee, I will make thee an eternal excellency, a joy of many generations. Thou shalt also suck the milk of the Gentiles. That's like... uh, like being nourished, you okay. know, sucking the milk of the Gentiles, and shalt suck the breast of kings. And thou shalt know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. For brass I will bring gold, and for iron I will bring silver, and for wood, brass, and for stones, iron. <laughs> Can you imagine? I will also make thy officers peace and thine exactors righteous. Uh, in other words, everything we're reading here is about a perfectly run system, mm-hmm. a good government, wealthy, overflowing, nations bringing their glory and honor into it. And what they do bring is is going to be like righteousness. It's not like a tax. You know, it's going to be, wow, we, we want to give this to you. We want to donate this. Oh, that's so sweet. Violence shall be no more heard in thy land. Come on, Israel's filled with violence. The Palestinians and the Jewish people fight constantly, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, wasting nor destruction within thy borders. Thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gates praise. The sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon be the light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light and thy God thy glory. So if God returns his glory to Israel, it's going to shine to where they don't need the sun and the moon. Really? Yeah, he'll dwell in the temple during that thousand years. The sun shall no more go down, neither shall the moon withdraw itself. For the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy mourning shall be ended. No more crying and weeping. You know, days of mourning over. Well, that's all beautiful, but it's not happening yet. Mm -hmm. So I'm not so sure about the things that are occurring are actually God's restoration. See. Okay. Uh, Thy people also shall be all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever. And they really don't have all their land, even though they have most of what we would call modern Israel today. There's sections that are Palestinian, you know, and in in reality, the promised land is far bigger than what they've got right now. Okay. It includes all the way up to Syria and all the way down to Arabia. It's huge. It goes to the Nile River and to the um, Euphrates River. Now that's a huge chunk. Yeah. A chunk chunk of land there. So what what nation what Israel is right now is a tiny little sliver of that, uh-huh. you know. And then he says a little one shall become a thousand and a small one a strong nation. I the Lord will hasten it in his time. 
So what the few that might be left that turn to the Lord are going to be turned into a great nation when he, when he does all this. So that brings us to the mystery of the fall of Israel. Mm-hmm. So that's the buildup that we needed to get to Romans chapter 11, another Pauline epistle. The Apostle Paul wrote, and he says in verse 25, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel nationally until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Now, when is that? Yeah. You know, was the fullness of Gentiles in 1948? Gentiles are still running the world, mm-hmm. right? So I don't think that time would coincide. But the fullness of the Gentiles, he'll explain later, seems to be those four kingdoms we've talked about, Babylon, Media, Persia, Greece, and Rome. And ultimately, Rome is still going. Mm-hmm. It, it hasn't been destroyed yet, you know, but it will be when Christ returns. Okay. So I would say the fullness of the Gentiles is when the last Gentile empire is destroyed, which is going to be the empire of the beast, you know, the Antichrist, mm-hmm. right? So he says they would be blinded, but what we're going to find out is earlier in this passage, he talks about them falling. The blindness came about so that they stumbled at the stone and they tripped and they fell. Okay. Christ is the rock, the stone of stumbling, right? But he goes on to say that the hope is in the rest of this passage because blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in, verse 26, and so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, same as redeemer, Mm -hmm. and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. Remember, God had said they were going to bear their sins and their shame until the time was right. Mm -hmm. And the time will be right when the Lord comes back. And when the Lord comes back, he's going to take away Israel's national sins. Right now, when a person gets saved, individually, not related to a national program, but just as a person, and they hear the gospel, Christ died for your sins, and they trust him as, they sa- as their savior, and they have a relationship, a personal relationship with God at that point. You become a child of God, and all your sins are forgiven. But the nation Israel waits for a national forgiveness. Okay. They wait for the Lord to come back and blot out their sins and their transgressions as a people from all the way back when they were doing the, the whoring after other gods. Now, can people from Israel um, repent their sins? That's right. And so a Jewish person today, a modern Israeli person today, can believe on Jesus Christ and be saved just like you and I could. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, they have forgiveness of sins right now okay. as an individual. But there is going to be an Israel of God again, and that nation will be restored. Now, okay. the big question is, will, will somebody that got saved like a man like Paul, who was a Jew that believed on Jesus Christ, he's not going to be part of the national salvation program. He's got his forgiveness as an individual, just like you and I would okay. as believers in Jesus Christ today. Will he be a part of the national program of Israel? I don't think he will. He certainly can go visit and they're his people and all that and mm-hmm. their brethren and all that. But I don't think he's going to be a part of that priesthood of believers Okay. You know, he's going to be glad and happy with the inheritance that he does have. You know? mm-hmm. uh, so, but if somebody can show me otherwise, I'm happy to see it. You know, it'll okay. be interesting to know. So we've already talked about God return to his place until they seek his face and acknowledge their offense. And then in Isaiah chapter six, we read an interesting thing. He said in verse eight, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said, I hear, am I, send me. That's Isaiah. Like, ooh, pick me, pick me, (laughs) right? And he said, go. So God is telling Isaiah, go. And tell this people, Isaiah is a Jew. He's a prophet of Israel. Mm -hmm. So tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat and make their ears heavy and shut their eyes. When we say the heart is made fat, it's like it's gotten so thick it can't feel anymore. It's not fat like we think about obesity. It's fat in the sense of like a callus. You know, it's become so thick it can't penetrate the heart anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay, So the heart of this people is made fat and make their ears uh, heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord... How long? 
Now that's the big question. Yeah. When are they going to turn back to you? When are they going to open their eyes and see? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant and the houses without man and the land be utterly desolate and the Lord have removed men far away and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. That sounds awful. So the land has to be completely empty. Desolate. And I don't really know what that means in connection to Israel that occupies the land today. Is something going to happen and they're going to be wasted and desolate? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. I'll tip my hand a little bit because I think what we're going to talk about next episode is an event that's prophesied in the scriptures in the book of Ezekiel that seems to be a battle that's building up and brewing. That when it happens, it looks as though it's going to have to happen either after the rapture mm -hmm. or contiguous with it. Like at the timing as we go out and this starts. And when it does, it's going to be a conglomeration of nations that all attack Israel. Whoa. Persia, uh, a bunch of others, and it's called Gog and Magog. Yeah. And when they attack, and I think it's going to be Turkey is Gog. A lot of people think it's Russia. It's possible. Mm -hmm. But I'm more inclined to think it's, it's Turkey. Uh, but when they all combine together to go after Israel, it says that they attack them as a people, a land brought back from the sword, like they're living safely, dwelling in cities without walls. Mm -hmm. well, that's not true right now. So something might happen before all this that could make the land desolate and waste, and then God brings them back into the land. And maybe who he brings back is not the same Israel that we understand today. Mm -hmm. It's all speculation. I don't know. But that may tie into that little thing I keep teasing about, about the treasure hidden uh -huh. in the field, right? So whenever this battle does take place, though, it says from that point forward, they're going to know I'm God. Okay. Because God is actually going to physically intervene and destroy those armies himself. Israel won't lift a sword or a gun or a finger. God rains fire down upon them and burns them up. Ooh, now that's scary. Very scary, yeah. Only one-sixth of the entire invading army is going to remain, and they're going to run back to their land. Whoa. Yeah. So something's going on. So I think when we read this thing about the land is going to be utterly desolate and men removed far away, there might be another event about to happen in that area. Mm -hmm. Could be. We just don't know. Now, we'll go to Matthew chapter 13 because we're talking about Israel falling and being blinded. And in chapter 13, Christ cites that very passage we just read in Isaiah, at least a portion of it, because he says, and the disciples, he, he, he speaks a parable for the first time, and he'd never done that before. In the whole time he'd been preaching, he spoke plainly. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, the Pharisees accused him of having a devil, speaking by the power of a devil and casting out devils by the power of a devil. And at that point, they committed something called blasphemy. So he speaks in parables, and the disciples came in verse 10 and said unto him, Why speakest thou to them in parables? He said, you never did this before. Mm -hmm. And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But unto them it is not given, them being the unbelievers. Okay. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. The idea is they don't have any faith, so they're going to be taken away the ability to see. Okay. Therefore, speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand, and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear and shall not perceive, for the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they've closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. But notice this last verse 16. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. So blessed is the one that hears and sees and believes by faith only, without a sign, without a miracle, you know, without all that. So the nation, what... They could have seen with the miracles and signs and everything, and they chose to reject and not believe the leaders that led the people astray. Mm -hmm. They were no longer preached to openly. They were preached to in mystery form, in parables. And he gave the understanding to the believers, the 12, but he didn't give the understanding to the rank and file unless they followed him, unless they, by faith, accepted him as Messiah on the basis of the miracles that he did, and then he would give them the understanding. 
Now, did any follow him? Oh, many did. Okay. And we talk about, I think a few weeks ago in one of our episodes, we talked about this new TV series called The Chosen. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really good. I recommend anybody want to check it out. The, it's an app you download and then you can watch it. And you can screen, share it to the screen of your TV through Roku and all that kind of stuff, Apple TV, whatever. And it's well done. It's excellent. But of course, being a Bible teacher, I, I do sometimes nitpick. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what they show is that Jesus began speaking in parables right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So they don't get this part. They miss that. Not that it's critical for somebody to understand and see the truth and the beauty of what Jesus did. But it would have been nice if they had shown him speaking plainly up to the point where the blasphemy was committed, and then he spoke in parables. Okay. But he would, they would, he would always talk from right from the beginning in parables. And the common conception of Christianity today is that Jesus spoke in parables from the beginning to illustrate the point. But he made it clear, no, he didn't start speaking in parables until he was trying to hide the point. Okay. From the unbelievers. That's kind of an important distinction. Now, in Acts chapter 28, what's interesting is after years of Paul, the apostle, having a ministry, he finally got arrested for preaching to Gentiles. And he went to stand trial in, uh, in Rome because he also had Roman citizenship. You know, he was a Jew, but he was born in a colony of Rome, and therefore he had free citizenship. So when they accused him of all these heresies in Israel, he had to appeal to Caesar to have a legal leg to stand on because if they had tried him in the Sanhedrin or the, or the court locally there where the Pharisees were stacked against him, Ooh. they would have been a kangaroo trial. Yeah, and they he, would have, have, he wouldn't have had a chance. He wouldn't have had any chance. They would have killed him, you know. So- Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. They would have condemned him to death. So he appealed to Caesar, who ultimately, when he did stand trial, they let him go because they couldn't find any fault in him. But later on, another worse emperor came into power. His name was Nero, and he had him killed. Nero had him executed because Nero at that point decided to blame all the bad things that were happening in Rome on the Christians. Oh, you're so mean. And Paul at that point was sort of known as to be like a ringleader, Mm -hmm. you know, so that he had him killed. But Paul, before he stood trial, was in um, prison in Rome, and the the Jews that were in Rome met with him. Mm -hmm. And they went, okay, we've heard a lot about this sect of Christians that follow this Jesus of Nazareth. What We want to know about this thing. So they came to his house arrest, where he was. He spoke to them about the scriptures uh, from when they had pointed him a day, verse 23. I'll read it because it's better than me <laughs> narrating. <laughs> when they had pointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them, the Jews, concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. So he spent all day showing them scripture. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers. He cites the same thing that Jesus cited, saying, Go unto this people, and saying, Hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, seeing you shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, same as fat, 
calloused, mm -hmm. uh, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. But then he follows up with something else. Jesus followed with, blessed are your eyes and your ears because they hear. He said, be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and they will hear it. Mm -hmm. So this is sort of an indication of what was happening all this time. Interestingly enough, Paul, who's called the apostle of the Gentiles, always went to the Jew first. Mm -hmm. Not only because he himself was a Jew and his heart's desire was that they be saved, but because it was to them first, okay? Okay. The message was to them first. So in Acts chapter 13, we actually read the first recording of a message Paul preached. You know, he doesn't get saved till Acts chapter 9, and then there's some time when we don't hear from him. And then he travels in Acts chapter 13, and he comes to a city in, um, in today we would call it Turkey. Back then it was Asia, uh, and it's called Antioch. And when he's there, he preaches in a synagogue, a Jewish church. And in verse 38, after preaching this kind of a long message, he says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, my, my brethren, my Jews, that through this man, Jesus, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So he's, he's letting them know, hey, you've been trying to keep the law all this time, and you can't be justified, but you can have justification by believing on Jesus. Okay. And then he warns them. He says, beware, therefore, lest that come upon you, which is spoken of in the prophets. And we've already seen a lot about the song of Moses and how I'm going to destroy them and scatter them and this and that. He says, behold, ye despisers and wonder and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. So he's kind of warning them, if you reject this, it's your last chance. The nation is gone. It's destroyed. I mean, God already hid his face from them. And now what he's doing is he's actually calling a remnant out of Israel. Okay. before the nation would be destroyed by the Roman Empire. And then he says in verse 42, when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. See, Gentiles weren't allowed to mingle in with the Jews. They segregated, mm -hmm. right? So the Gentiles might have been listening in at the window. And then we want to know more about this, Paul. Will you preach this to us the next Sabbath? So Paul agrees to do so. And watch what happens. Verse 44, and the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Now, the Jews have had a synagogue in this city of Antioch, which is probably a good-sized city. There could have been hundreds of thousands of people there, okay? And they've never drawn a crowd of Gentiles because what Gentiles is just chomping at the bit to go get circumcised right. and become a proselyte, right? So... Paul says, okay, I'll preach to Gentiles next Sabbath, and the whole city shows up. What do you think the Jews in the synagogue are going to feel like? They're going to be extremely jealous. Yeah. Because we never could get a group of people like this mm -hmm. with our message. So almost the whole city comes together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. You know, they didn't want the Gentiles to hear. But you would think that they would want more people to take Christ into their heart. Why just keep him for themselves? But they don't want to believe in Christ. These are the ones that don't believe in oh, Jesus. Oh, okay. They're the same ones that are going to ultimately be destroyed. They're the enemies of God. Well, right? destroy you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. So then Paul and Barnabas, who's with him, they waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, you Jews. But seeing you put it from you, we don't want God's salvation, mm -hmm. and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldst be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Now, it's very interesting that Paul cited that verse because it's also in Isaiah. But what's fascinating is he just gave us a secret that we didn't know. Because if we go to that passage in Isaiah, it's chapter 49. Mm -hmm. Now watch what happens if we actually go read it in Isaiah 49. And I guarantee you when Isaiah wrote this, he had no idea 
what this was talking about. He, he, he knew it wasn't himself because he wasn't the one called to do this. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people read this and they think it's talking about Jesus. But as we read it, you're going to find out this is a prophecy of Paul. Okay. Thousands of years before he was born, or hundreds, hundreds of years. So he says, listen, O isles unto me, and hearken you people from afar. The Lord hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. And what's interesting, in one of Paul's letters, he writes, the Lord called me from my mother's womb. I mean, everybody comes from a mother's womb. Very true. Why would he mention (laughs) that, you know? He's mentioning it because of this passage. Okay. Right? And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me. A quiver is what you keep arrows in, like a bow and arrow. Okay. So a quiver is like the little container that holds the arrows. So he was like, I was a hidden arrow. I was like the secret weapon that nobody knew was in the quiver, right? (laughs) And he said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. So whoever this person is, he's a Jew, Mm -hmm. O Israel. Uh, Then I said, I've labored in vain. I've spent my strength for naught, for nothing, wasted my time, and in vain. Yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. Paul was a Pharisee, remember? He thought he was doing God a favor, and he was persecuting Christ. He labored in vain until God called him and said, no, Paul, I've got a real job for you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Well, Jacob is Israel. Okay. So was Paul supposed to be God's servant to bring Jacob to him? We'll find out. Though Israel be not gathered... Yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And he said, It is a light thing, or small thing, that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. That's the very thing Paul cited when he was in that synagogue back there in Antioch. That's the verse he quoted. When he said, the Lord commanded me. So he's putting himself in the passage. He's telling us, I'm the one in Isaiah 49. Mm-hmm. Well, he also said before, he said, we're going to turn to the Gentiles for the Lord, the Lord commanded me. Before that, he said, it was necessary the word of God should first have been spoken to you, Israel. Well, then who is the Israel that Paul was sent to gather? The preserved of Israel. To restore the preserve. So you think about somebody that's preserved from what? You know, if you put up preserves, you know, it's to store them so you can eat them later, Mm -hmm. right? Well, so they won't spoil. They won't be destroyed. Well, God's already, remember Peter had said, save yourselves from this untoward generation Mm -hmm. because God's about to destroy this nation. But there was a group, even though the nation had rejected him as as a people, they rejected Christ. And then God turned and hid his face. He had preserved to himself some people in Israel that would believe, like Paul, who was a Jew. And Paul was trying to reach them before the Roman Empire destroyed them and bring them into the same group that you and I are a part of. Okay. In other words, joint heirs with Gentiles. You know, we'll turn to the Gentiles, but we're going to you first to see if the preserved, is there any of the preserved among these Jews here at Antioch? Mm -hmm. If they are, they'll join us. If they're not, they'll be destroyed too. Good luck. Good luck, right? So with all that said, Paul then goes back to explain what was happening in the beginning of the Romans chapter 11, because it was at the end that he said, blindness in part is of this mystery to Israel. They will be saved, but not till the fullness of the Gentiles. So what was going to happen to the nation ultimately was they would be destroyed and scattered and not a people anymore, and God would hide his face from them for 2,000 years. But did that mean every Jew could then never be saved? No. That's right. So watch what happens. And this is, this is the beauty of God's patience and mercy. Back in Romans 11, we'll start in verse 7. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. They were seeking for righteousness through the law. But the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Election is like, just like you think if you go to vote. I choose this candidate over that one. Okay, I vote for that person. God voted for the ones that would believe on Jesus Christ. He elected them to his people, Mm -hmm. all right? Both Jews and Gentiles now, right? 
male, female, bond or free, doesn't matter. Right now in Christ, there's no difference. So he says, the rest were blinded. So the rest, he's talking about Israel. Israel has not obtained that which he seeketh for. The election has attained those who were elected, but the rest were blinded. Mm -hmm. The nation. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, sleep. Eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David said, let their table be made a, a snare and a trap and a stumbling block. Remember the rock they stumbled on? And a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back always. So here they are blinded. They're darkened. They can't see the truth. Only the preserved, only the, uh, the ones that were part of the elect. Now that also matches something Isaiah said in chapter 29. Isaiah 29, verse 10. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep and hath closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, hath he covered. And the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I am not learned. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but I have removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. So the bottom line was, God said, they don't want to see it. When I was plain and showing it to them, then I'll hide it from them. It's like back to the parables that Jesus said. Okay. And he says, I'll seal up the book. And Israel to this day, Jews to this day, when they read things in the Old Testament that are clearly pointing to Christ, they can't see it. They can't see it. Some do when they acknowledge their offense and they turn to the Lord. As an individual, you know, mm -hmm. they can turn. But the Lord poured out a spirit of deep sleep upon them. So whoever Israel is, wherever they are right now, they're still under this blindness. Now, would you say the Bible is a parable? Well, if you want to talk about the Bible being hard to understand because of the many mysteries that are in it, the answer would be yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's not grammatically correct to call it a parable because it's so many books and everything else. But mm -hmm. in the sense of it being un hard to understand, unless you have the Spirit of God to reveal it to you, you know, then yes, absolutely. It's a mystery which is why we call ourselves Bible Mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da! Ta so Psalm 69, we'll try to wrap this up for today. Psalm 69, verse 19, we read, Thou hast known my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. Mine adversaries are all before thee. Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. You know what he's talking about? No. Jesus on the cross. When Jesus Christ was on the cross, at some point he said, I thirst. And they took a sponge and they put it on the end of a stick because he's up on a tree, you know, and they dipped it in vinegar and they gave it to him to drink. That's so cruel. I know. I know. And that's what they predicted right here. So he says, verse 22, let their table become a snare before them. And that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened that they see not. In other words, the Israel that rejected and crucified their king, he said, let their eyes be darkened that they see not and make their loins continually to shake. In other words, always being in fear. Um, pour out thine indignation upon them and let thy wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their habitation be desolate. Let none dwell in their tents for they persecute him who thou hast smitten and they talk to the grief of those whom thou hast wounded. Add iniquity unto their iniquity, and let them not come into thy righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living, and not be written with the righteous. So the wicked of Israel would be rejected, and, and, uh, and the truth would be sealed from them, so that they couldn't learn it. It's really sad to think about that entire nation utterly destroyed, and God had called them the apple of his eye. You know, oh. they were the people that were supposed to be, and they will be again. That's the, always the good news is that God will restore the ones that turn back to him, but he's waiting until they do it, you know? Yeah. So John chapter nine, the gospel of John verse four, we read, uh, Christ was speaking these words. I must work the works of him that sent me, God, the father, while it is day, 
the night cometh when no man can work. Now, back then, you didn't have electricity, so you couldn't do work. Yeah. Else, right? <laughs> as long as I'm in the world, he says, I am the light of the world. So Christ is the light of the world. He said so. He says, I must work the works of my Father while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Now, he's not talking about in 12 hours you can work, and then the night comes and you can't work. Mm -hmm. He's using this as a parable. He's talking about spiritual day and spiritual night. So while he was with them in the world, and he's the light of the world, it was day. Okay. spiritually speaking. They had day and night every 24 hours, but it was the daytime where l spiritual light was concerned for Israel. And then in Luke chapter 1, when right when he was born, there was a man in the temple there that said these words when he saw Jesus, the baby. He says, he's come to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And oh, I, I should have backed up to verse 76. Thou child, Jesus, shall be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. I'm sorry, this is John, John the Baptist. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And that's what I wanted, the word day spring. So day spring is like the morning. You know, the okay. dawning of the day, the day springs forth, all right? He's referring to Jesus as the day spring. Okay. So Christ said, I'm the light of the world. I must work the works of my Father while it is day. So if he's the light of the world and he's the day spring, when he comes back, he brings the light back. Mm -hmm. The dawning of the day. Okay. And it's called the day of the Lord. So he's the day spring, and he's also called in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, the last chapter of the Bible, in verse 16, <laughs> uh, chapter 22, verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you, John, who wrote the book, these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. The morning star is the sunrise, mm -hmm. right? People say it's Venus, but it's not. The morning star for us, what brings the morning? Not Venus. Yep, it's, it's the sun, right? <laughs> so he's the day spring. He's the morning star. He's the light of the world. I must work the works of my father while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. When they crucified him and they sent him away and he returned to his own place, Israel went into night. Blindness. Can't see in the dark. There was no sunlight? Well, spiritually speaking. Okay. Spiritually speaking, they went into darkness, right? Okay. So... Paul writes these words in chapter 13 of Romans, and this is what I want to end with. Verse 11. He said that knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Now, traditionally, sleep was done at night. Yes. So he says the night is far spent, the day is at hand. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Now, of course, he wrote this 2,000 years ago, but he's writing as a prophet of God, as, a, as an apostle, mm -hmm. prophesying of the return of the Lord. When he says the day is at hand, he's not talking about, oh, it's, it's late as I write this and it's about to dawn. You know? <laughs> he's saying, no, now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Mm -hmm. Well, what are we saved from? We're saved from wrath. What is coming to this world before the Lord returns? The wrath of God. Mm -hmm. So... The rapture that takes us away from the wrath is about to happen because the day is about to dawn. Okay. It's always darkest before the dawn as far as the night goes, you know, mm -hmm. because when as night comes at 730, it's still a little light and then it goes away and then it gets dark and it actually gets darker right before the dawn. It's the darkest time because that's usually when the moon goes down or something. Whatever light there might be is just about gone. Mm -hmm. That's the wrath of God. The darkness before the dawn. Okay. Okay. So when Christ comes back, he brings the day back with him. He's the light of the world. He returns to the earth. Spiritual light again for Israel. Okay. But they're in darkness right now. They're blinded. The fall of Israel was the blinding of Israel. And they've been in blindness now for 2,000 years. But the night is far spent, Paul said. The day is at hand. The time is about to come when he's going to remove the darkness. And the blinders. Now, I do want to go to Job. I said I was going to wrap this up, but I'm, I lied. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot we had one other passage here in Job chapter 38, verse 11, where Job writes, 
God speaking, actually, God is speaking to him. He's writing this down, but God okay. is speaking to Job and said, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further, and here shalt thou proud waves be stayed. Remember we talked about the ocean that won't pass over the shore? It's the same thing here. Okay. He was referring back to the ocean. You won't go any further than this. And then he says, God is asking Job, Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days and caused the day spring to know his place? that it might take hold on the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it. So if Christ is the day spring and the morning star, and he's about to come back, when he returns, he's going to shake the wicked out of their, um, shaken out of the earth. It says, Are you, have you caused the day spring to know his place? Mm-hmm. What was his place? It's when he returned back to the Father. Because he had told the disciples, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And when I come back to get you, I'm going to bring you into my father's house. But when he comes back the second time, he's going to shake the wicked out of the earth first. He's going to bring his wrath out. And then the day will dawn and the light will shine again. That's awesome. Israel will see and finally believe, you know. So it's an amazing thing. The fall of Israel brought about, and that, oh, that was the last thing I meant to say, that you said, why would that be a good thing, the fall of Israel? And that's because Paul said, through the fall of Israel, salvation came to the Gentiles. Yay. (laughs) So that's why it was, it was, even though it was a bad thing for the nation, it was a good thing for the world. Yes. Salvation came to the world. Anybody can be saved by trusting Christ. But the time is running short because the night is about to end. Israel's spiritual night and blindness is about to end. And when it does, that means the wrath of God is going to fall, and then the day will come back. The day's You do not want to be the last person. You don't. You want to be the one that gets delivered from the wrath to come. Yes. So we'll talk about next time what looks like might be one of the things that has to happen before the darkness starts, that final bit of wrath, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's got to be something tied to Israel being put back in their land again where they can acknowledge God. And I don't know if it's the people that are currently there now or not, but it has to do with this battle of Gog and Magog. So next week we'll talk about Gog and Magog. So stay tuned, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast every week. If you do enjoy it, please like, share, and subscribe. Please comment down below something that you were interested in in our podcast this week or something new that you've learned. Thank you so much, Zena, and thank you all for listening. It's always a joy to be with you. We appreciate you uh, listening. We appreciate you, Zena, for being a part of this show. Thank you. And making us uh, be as uh, popular as it's grown, 10,000 subscribers plus, right? So uh, be sure to keep spreading the word and enjoy the uh, rest of your week. Yes. Goodbye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock... Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at UTBnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.